You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Colosso Soprano. Go! Your destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award-winning play-by-play man Dan Dibley Squirt. and international soccer savant Rick Tittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Well, is it really a hiatus if you just step aside for a couple of weeks? Perhaps we debate that toward the tail end of the program today. But yes, we're back. It's Golasso Supremo. Go, 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 go. And by the way, we do have some action going on right now, and we do have a goal as we break down Women's World Cup today. Gold Cup, transfer news at all, but it is USA and Sweden, and the Yanks have struck first, Rick. Yes, and uh, this is a huge game uh, in the last... I think 11 meetings, uh, the USA is 5-3-3, three, and three, I think, against Sweden. Sweden and the USA have played five straight World Cups. The best Sweden has ever done uh, is a, um, a second-place finish. Of course, the United States are the holders, so uh, they both dispatched. Uh, we beat Chile 3-0. They beat them 2-0. We beat Thailand 13 to nothing. They beat Thailand 5-1. to More merciful. Yeah, and the Thailand goal, by the way, in that game, a very emotional moment for the Thai side as they were able to strike against Sweden. But ultimately, that might be the big telling point for me. 13-0 as opposed to 5-1 to against common opponent. And the head coach came out and he said, I know we can't win, but let's try to tie. Okay. Thanks for joining us, folks. It'll be another hiatus from now until forever. Another fortnight. Yeah, we'll see you back here uh, when hell freezes over after that <laughs> terrible pun. What do you make of the USA team so far, Rick? We we haven't gotten into the Thailand controversy, which we can discuss momentarily, but just this team as comprised feels to me like this might be the best American team ever when you think about total quality front to back. They they look fantastic, and you think about some of the. I mean, you you they played twenty players in two games. I mean, it's just amazing the depth of this team, and we have something that no other country has, and we have the NCAA ranks, which hones our young ladies up into these great players. Everybody else, when they get out of school at sixteen, wherever they live, unless they come to America, they can't have this, and so. Uh, you just think about building from strength to strength. Some of the young girls. I had Crystal Dunn on my show a couple of weeks ago. She was the last person cut from the last team. Wow. And now she starts. And a, a, someone with the the fantastic pedigree of an Ali Krieger doesn't even start. I mean, you think about all these great players. Becky Sauerbrunn, this is the first game that she's really been healthy for the back line. And so uh, that, to me, I mean, you think about all the goals, it's impressive. And Alex Morgan on her way to a golden boot. She didn't even play against Chile. She didn't have to. Um, but uh, keeping the other team out, well, it'll, uh, defense wins something. Then. I think championships and, all, and also was, cups yes. in this case. And sure. You think about Carly Lloyd, who didn't start against Thailand, and she was the, the key talus woman or talus person from mm-hmm. the last World Cup cycle. Megan Rapino, the veteran, still in there as well. Before we get into the over-celebrating against Thailand, which was, to me, quite offensive, let's look compare this team to the the teams of days gone by, 1999 in particular, which is often cited as the, the greatest moment in female sports history here in the United States, and that might be our finest team with Mia Hamm, Brandi Chastain, Julie Foudy, etc. How would you compare 
this year's team to that team, or is it just unfair because of the development of, of the sport on the whole? I, I think this team would would kick 1999 team's butt. I, I really do. And, and Mia Hamm is our greatest ever player. And, and name-dropping again, I had Christine Lilly on the show a couple of weeks ago, and, and she... I mean, back then, I actually worked that 90... the first ever World Cup 1991, at least on the American side of it, when Michelle Aker Stahl, star was, Stahl was such a star, Roger Stahlbach. Um, but I just think about the midfield and nothing against, you know, Julie Foudy or Tisha Venturini or some, they were great players. I'm not trying to make them seem bad, but I'm just saying once again to, I mean, you, you mentioned Carly Lloyd. She didn't even play in the first game. She comes in the second game and she gets a brace. It's um, just top to bottom. I like Brianna Scurry. She was a, a, a good goalkeeper, but uh, I just think this team is uh, much, much deeper. Now, the only thing is now is that every other country has gotten a lot better, too. So the competition is much more fierce. Absolutely. And in the days of Julie Foudy, Mia Hamm, at all, there were really two or three countries you could look to and say they're formidable. But now, even in this World Cup where we look at a Thailand losing 13 to nothing, you realize that the bottom of the tournament still not yet up to caliber, but there are another six, seven, or eight teams, Canada, France, Germany, this Sweden side, who have improved dramatically in a generation. Yeah, and every World Cup's going to have a minnow. They're going to have a team from Oceania. There's always a team that's going to get beat down like that, especially if the World Cup's going to expand to some, what, 48 teams or whatever it is. There are going to be even more minnows. But, um, you know, you th I, I just think about how it was really only the Scandinavian countries, Germany and us, that really embraced female sports. I remember being in England talking to people about uh, how it would strip your femininity and you don't want to do it. No boy would want to go on a date with you. Uh, I think about in uh, Germany where my relatives are saying, you know, look, soccer's for big, strong, tough men. Why would a girl want to play it? They've finally gotten over all that. Thankfully, because mm -hmm. the world's a better place when mm -hmm. sports is available to all people. Right. And you look at what happened in that first match. This is why it's a little bit of a, of a stark reminder of just where we are as a globe, as a global citizenship, when it comes to women's sports, USA 13, Thailand nothing. This is not to highlight the disparity between the two sides, but the general reaction to what took place. Megan Rapino scoring to make it 9 nothing, running, doing two spins, and a, a slide on the ground with a couple of kicks that are straight out of the Rockettes. Some, including myself, <laughs> felt it was a little bit of an over-celebration, but what does that say about where we are in in female sports and just the disparity between the two teams? Well, this is a touchy one because, you know, when it's we get into nationalism when we have na nations playing. And I can never, when you wait four years to get to a World Cup and you score a World Cup goal, which basically would, you know, immortalize you on the men's game. So I can't tell one of our uh, female players not to celebrate. But I think what it is is we're so conditioning to not making the other team look bad. Um, I have no problem with them continuing to score, and I think it would be a bigger insult if you just took the air out of the ball. Agreed. But, yeah, maybe some of the celebrations were over the top. I'm, I'm sort of, uh, you know, I don't really have a strong opinion either way. It didn't embarrass me. But on the other hand, maybe it would have looked better. These Canadian women who commented like this was some sort of war crime, I thought was a little over the top. Without a doubt. And you look at the under-20 World Cup that just took place. There was a young man from Norway who himself, I believe he had eight in a game, and they won 12 nothing. And you see almost, almost an apologetic nature 
after the 6th, 7th, and 8th goal. And I agree with you that you should continue to play hard and you should continue to try to play as well as you can because there's tough matches ahead and you want to stay sharp. But for Mm. me, where the line was crossed, and again, it wasn't an international incident and I wasn't calling for the resignation of Megan Rapinoe from all international events, but just the celebrating when it's clear that you're humiliating a team and Megan Rapinoe has scored many goals at many different levels. For me, it was just a case of maybe having a little bit more perspective as to the overall, I guess, situation. You're up 9 nothing. You're scoring at will against a team that has given up. How great of an achievement is it really when you strip away the circumstance? Fair enough. So, there you have it. Right now, we're in the uh, 19th minute. USA won Sweden nothing. By the time you hear this, the game will be over. But we want you to feel like you're living the game <laughs> as we are. Sweden's had a pretty decent percentage of the ball early on, but the most quality chances do lie in the feet of the U.S. women. You know, you think about the last time Sweden beat the USA. Sweden had six shots on goal. The United States had 27 shots on goal. So sometimes it's just not your day. That's why I'm happy that we got this early goal uh, just to... Uh, but the, the, the other thing is, too, that I like about this is that the USA is not acting like they have a goal. They're acting like they're a goal down. And that's their strength. Just attack, attack, attack. Keep the other team on your on their heels and being a goal down. They are on their heels right now. So um, I couldn't see on the computer here who just... Somebody just was clearing the box and hit it over the bar. It was sort of a half pass, half shot type of thing. But right now I'm liking the aggression. It's looking good. And we are watching on my small HP monitor. It's probably about 10 inches It's uh, doing diagonally. a good job, though. It's, it's trying. It's hanging in there. USA yeah. up one nothing. And the other side, it is Thailand and Chile. Nil-nil. Earlier today, a bit of a, not a shocker, but an eyebrow raiser. Netherlands 2, Canada 1. Does this signal the demise, the end of the Canadian run as a real soccer superpower? Well, I hope Drake really chokes on that one. <laughs> nice, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, you think about it, and I mean, uh, you think you know, Canada's been to one World Cup, and that was in '86 because Mexico was disqualified, and the USA couldn't get their head out of their booty. Uh, so, um, and then you think about the Netherlands, one of the great soccer nations of all time. It it doesn't shock me because I sort of think of them as I do the men, which I shouldn't. But, um, yeah, I don't think anybody's crying over that. Spain also through, as are France and Germany. England is through. Norway and Australia as well. Outside of the U.S., any other team out there that, that gives you maybe a, a pause? Well, the, um, the Germans always do. Uh, they've won it before. And then one of the dark horses this year is England. And they've come some really great leaps and strides as well. I don't know if you saw the Scotland game against Argentina yesterday. Scotland was up 3-0 and cruising into the second round, and then they, it was a 3-3 draw Wow! in the end. And it happened again yesterday on the third goal. This is the two times in the tournament now where a penalty was asked to be retaken because the goalie took a step forward, which every goalie has done in the history of soccer. They give you one step for the angle, Um what it usually is, uh, I've noticed with men's soccer over the years, is if you take two steps forward, then they say, no, 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 no. But it's kind of hard to only do the lateral movement when you've been doing that your whole life, but they're really cracking down on that. And it's nearly impossible because they, you're right. They allow you one step laterally as long as you stay on your line, mm-hmm. but that does next to no good. You need to be able to cut down the angle. What is the fix for for this 
this iteration of the penalty kick. The only fix would be if you want to keep playing the same style, then you gotta you gotta line up a step behind the goal line, which would be weird. The other thing is is just to retrain yourself to just be timber left, timber right. That takes a lot of the fun away. Though. Yeah, well, I know it's just, and you, you hate to see, um, you know, when when a, like in Argentina the. The player kicks it right at the goalie, and then they go, "Nope, take it again," and then they score. It's like they they really don't deserve that goal. An undeserved goal, indeed. Yeah. Golazo Supremo, Rick Tittle, and Dan Dibley. Let's turn our attention to the Concacaf Gold Cup, Copa Doro, which is now ongoing. It is underway. You take a look at some of the group action. Mexico leading Group A with a couple of victories, including one over Canada, Canada and Martinique. Martinique, which beat Cuba, by the way, in a, a bit of an island shocker there in Group A. Yeah, let's watch that penalty. The guy put it 50 feet over the bar. That Canada-Martinique game at the Rose Bowl made a Tuesday night Mariners-A's game look like the Super Bowl. There might have been eight people at that game. Really? Yeah. at the I mean, eight. Literally. At the Rose Bowl. At the Rose Bowl. You can imagine how big that would be. And that was half the population of Martinique, actually. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, you talk about minnows. You know, uh, those players aren't even professional. They're they're librarians and taxi cab drivers. And so uh, kudos to them. The beauty of these international events. And Martinique, with a victory, as mentioned, over Cuba. So that's at least something that they can uh, put as a feather in their cap as they head back to their 9-5. Uh, to five. I saw the Cuban national team play one time against the United States at the Oakland Coliseum. And I believe one guy defected and he hid uh, like at Francesco's on Hagenberger. Wow. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> and yeah, you know, I make light of it, but it's hard. I mean, you... Come for the garlic bread, stay for the immunity. <laughs> Is that their official slogan? <laughs> I'd like an extra helping of amnesty, please. Seriously. Let me get the linguine clam sauce and uh, safe haven. Wow. For here? Yeah. Literally, not to go. Please. I won't... You know. I'll give you a big tip and please don't torture my family. I think we've exhausted this okay. from one liner. Yeah, no, I, I might have had one more. Two, two is the Johnny Carson always said, "Don't go three. You went three, and it was still good. I went four, and it kind of well, was two each. So I think Johnny would have allowed okay. it. All right, that's good. A group B, you've got <laughs> Costa Rica and Haiti with the victories. Bermuda and Nicaragua yet to get a victory. Jamaica, the Jamaicans with a pretty wild victory over Los Contrachos. That thing got. That thing got contentious. The reggae boys. And when you name all these teams, it just makes me even more sick that we contrived not to qualify for a World Cup out of this region. We're not here to talk about the past, Mark <laughs> McGuire. I'm not here to talk about past, talk about future. El Salvador beating Curaçao in mm. their first match. More Group C action. One of the Dutch ABCs, where I believe Hen, uh, Bam Bam Mulins is a prince. Of Curaçao. Yes. And what would the B be? Bermuda. And then the A, of course, Aruba, is Aruba mm -hmm. Bermuda, and Curacao. Did they get to the D or just the ABCs? I'll show you the D. Okay. <laughs> this is Rick Tittle intensively <laughs> as he works a little bit blue. You shouldn't be laughing at your own jokes, too, which I just did. No, so. that was great. It, oh, thanks. It took away the awkward uh, silence. Yeah. Well, you always say, yeah, it's a podcast. Let it fly, and we've all And you said, and we've, had, we've held to it, we've never made an edit. No, no dumping, no edits. God mm. damn it. Uh, Group D, USA with a victory. Panama also a win. Trinidad and Tobago, Guyana with the losses. I have to ask the question, but is there any way we don't get out of this group? No. It's a, it is no uh, Group Del Muerto. But I will say this. The most important thing for the United States is to not hemorrhage goals. So the clean sheet is the most important thing. The other thing is we may... 
Now, we have to think about the competition. We may have found a player in Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd, his dad's American. He grew up in California, but he's played like six times for New Zealand, the all-whites, but they weren't full internationals. So you can still retract it and come back. He scored two goals in that game. The, the marking was shambolic, but they still had finishes. So I'm kind of hoping that he might be a player for us. Jossie Zardis also with a goal in the 55th mm-hmm. minute. Do we have faith that he's ready to embrace the role of consistent striker? I've seen him play from a young age, and he shows flashes of world quality. The speed is second to none, but then at stretches, he can be taken away because he's pretty much largely just a vertical threat. Well, this is he's a perfect example of a guy who needed to go to an academy overseas when he was 16. Where'd he go? Cal State Bakersfield. Did he get better there? No. He beat you and me, uh, is who he would beat. This was the back two. And so, uh, yes, I have a lot of faith in him. He's got a lot of natural talent. But I, I want us to find those guys and send them to an academy before they waste four years at Cal State Bakersfield. No uh, offense to the, who are they? I would guess the farmers, but uh, <laughs> and your I could school be wrong. was Valley State, Northridge, formerly San Fernando Valley State, yeah. the Matadors. That's right, definitely. <laughs> I know that Bakersfield is blue and gold. I believe their colors are blue and white. So yeah, I'm coming so. up short. And then Gyasi's hair is what gray and black. Doesn't he spray paint his hair silver or something like that? Something he spray painted it for a while. I haven't uh, checked to do lately. Yeah, Michael Bradley in a midfield with uh, Christian Pulisic. Is it? <laughs> Is it more of a statement of the state of the U.S. national team that we need Michael Bradley still in the center of the park? See, this is the thing, too, is that, I mean, I, I understand Greg Berhalter. He doesn't want to come in and reinvent the wheel, the new head coach. But uh, he, Michael Bradley's expiration date was six years ago, really after South Africa. That was the last time, so it's more than six years. But, but that's the one thing that just makes you feel sour. And every coach has a guy you don't like. You know, Bruce Arena loved uh, Jeff Agoose. You know, Steve Sampson uh, loved uh, it just whatever. You can just pick a guy and you're like, why do you play? Bora, who I loved, like Mike Sorber, you know, and, and uh, what's his name? Gansler made uh, uh, the captain was Peter Vermees. You know, I mean, just why, why do we play these guys? So that's the one where I'm kind of sick to my stomach that his old ass is out there. It's tough, but in this setting, maybe this is his farewell, much like Chris Wondolowski got some Gold Cup burn toward the end of his national team run in the Gold Cup. So this obviously not going to be the side that we look to qualify with for the World Cup in Qatar. If it still happens in Qatar, as we take a quick deviation away from the tournament soccer that's going on right now, Michel Platini, sacré bleu, adios, or adieu. Adieu, Michel. Michel Platini was by far the greatest French player of all time until, until we had Zizou. I'll never Thank forget you. when he was the head coach of France and Denmark beat them at Sweden in 92, which put Denmark in the second round of tournament. They eventually won. Ebby Sand scoring the goal of the Luton Town Hatters, and immediately uh, Michel Platini resigned. That was the great team with Jean-Pierre Papin up front and all those great players. But uh, Platini, this is what you do when you get knocked out of a tournament, you resign, which, of course, uh, we don't do here. I mean, Sunil Gulati just put himself into the Hall of Fame, which is uh, absolutely ridiculous. But you mentioned Qatar. I mean, the Copa America is going on, and Japan and Qatar are guest teams. 
And it's obviously why they want to get on the map before the World Cup in a couple of years. But uh, then again, I went to a Copa America match down at uh, Levi's Stadium. I think my car is still trying to get out of that lot nice, <laughs> right nice. now. But I do remember in 1995 uh, when we were guests of the Copa America first time, went down to Argentina, beat Argentina 3 nothing. Diego Simeone said, we're going to kill all of you. And as the bus left the stadium, people threw rocks and garbage at it. Uh, another name drop had Tony Miola on my show two days ago. We were actually talking about that. He wasn't on the team at the time. That was Friedel and, and Keller days. Um, but uh, it, it's weird. I mean, I understand Japan has a good team, but these guest teams, I mean, can you imagine uh, the UEFA, I mean, having their European Cup championship and saying, and Australia, and Mexico. Right. Like, Come on. Why? Yeah. Makes no sense. <clears throat> no. And, and so many of these competitions, and you and I have had this debate here on Golasso Supremo before, too many competitions for me, too much watered down action. We haven't even talked about the UEFA Nations Cup and how that all yeah. got solved, nor will we most likely. Although, I must admit, I watched uh, at least half of, of Le Grand Finale with Portugal winning at home, which was kind of cool. But by and large, so many of these competitions are superfluous. That That's one where I thought, you know what? It's hard enough in a non-World Cup year, in a non-European championship year, all these good players playing in Europe, and yet there's Harry Kane running out there wearing the shirt for the three Lions. And he's the captain. Of course he's going to show up. But I thought these guys will literally get three weeks off before they— I mean, can you imagine that? Three weeks off is all you get. Because pretty soon, I mean, we sit here back in, in camp. late June. They got to be back in camp within, you know, probably the end of July, right? Yes, they are back in camp in July, and they're playing in August. They're going to Singapore and America and South, all over the place, Australia. It's just, uh, I just wish they got a little bit of a bigger break. Now, if they stunk and they weren't in Europe, they would have a bigger break. So it's pick your poison, right? Dan Dibley, Rick Tittle here, Golasso Supremo. We've got Gold Cup action this Saturday with the U.S. taking on. Not just Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. So it's always tough when you got to take on both Trinidad and Tobago. USA women right now still up one nothing, thirty third minute, applying steady pressure to the Swedes. A nice look toward the back post, left wanting or goes wanting, Rick, mm -hmm. as we like to say. Yes. Well, how about this for? Sorry, I should have picked that up. That no, pause no, I was there. thinking. Okay. Do we go to transfer news or do we? People think that we have some sort of producer and this is laid out. This is seat of the pants. Two guys who've been doing this a long time. So we just talk about what ifs. So wherever you want to go. Let's go to PSG. Let's go to France and <clears> talk, <throat> ab talk about what what's the deal with PSG. <laughs> Mbappe and Neymar both there. It seems to not be working. What does PSG do? And if you had to choose right now going into this upcoming season, Neymar or Mbappe? Well, I'd go with uh, Mbappe. It's not even a choice, I don't think, at this point. Um, wow. Yeah, I, there's just no way. I, I think he's just... Uh, Neymar is a great talent. There, there's talk of him going back to Barcelona now. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, but in, what is Mbappe now, 19? I mean, it's just there's just too much upside at this point. If they were the same age, I'd probably go Neymar, but... It's funny, Neymar is the old man in this situation. Only 25 years mm -hmm. of age. He was considered by many to be right there for best player in the world before his injury. Mm -hmm. And Mbappe, obviously a great flash in the World Cup last summer. And he's had 
He's produced some good results internationally this year, but still, to me, yet to prove it over the long haul. So I would side with with Neymar, 25, entering those peak years. You can't go wrong with saying you'd pick Neymar. There's no like, oh, you idiot. No, I mean, how can you how can you be wrong wanting Neymar on your team? I just think because of the the other thing is too is Neymar. You're also getting a giant drama queen too. I don't know how Mbappe is. Maybe maybe he's one too. But but I know about Neymar, and so you kind of I mean, you live with that. I mean, if Barry Bonds is going to be that way and hit 73 home runs, you just live with it. So, I don't know, maybe that's part of my thinking, too. You look toward the Spanish league now, the Premier Division down, and with Real Madrid having lost Marcus Llorente, or Llorente, rather, a permanent transfer to Atletico Madrid. Is this signifying maybe a change in the power structure with Atleti finally maybe being able to step up and snatch the title? Uh, well, listen, I can never count them out. I think Atleti's highlight was that they had their Wanda Stadium host the Champions League final. That was probably the highlight uh, of their off season so far. But uh, listen, the Galacticos are always going to spend money. They, like Barcelona, have these huge power structure with elections and presidents. They're, I would say that the Real Madrid and Barcelona, like Joan Laporte, those types of elections, Vicente del Bosque, they're probably more intriguing than the presidential election of Spain itself. So they're never going to be, I'll never see a, a power structure. It's not like they're going to drop down and all of a sudden be like, uh, you know, Valladolid. Also Rans, essentially. Mm. That's basically what you would say that will yes. never happen. No. Is that they get relegated. They would have to that. be like Juve and cheat and get kicked out of the league. Speaking of, not getting kicked out or not necessarily cheating, but Chelsea. What to make of the plight in which Chelsea finds itself with the transfer ban as you head right now? We're sitting in, in just about the heart or the beginning of what should be a busy summer for the big clubs, yet they've got to sit on their hands. How much will this affect Chelsea, not only this year, but next year? I remember going to Stanford Bridge and they were singing, Carefree, wherever we may be, we are the mighty CFC and we'll build you up. Screw them. Wow, uh, wow that's nice. <laughs> they uh, have just signed, well, Christian Pulisic joined. Tottenham literally more than 500 days now since they bought a player. Uh, they sold Aiden Hazard to Madrid. And I saw something that was absolutely hilarious, by the way. And I'd uh, like to uh, quote it because this, to me, is today's world. This is a quote from Emerson Palmieri from Chelsea uh, about Aiden Hazard leaving. He said, it's weird. He sent a thank you, I love you guys, and then it showed Aiden Hazard has left the WhatsApp group, and I said, damn, he's really gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way people think now, Dan. That's so funny. It, that's officially what signified it. If you break up with a girl, <laughs> it's not official until you change your status on Facebook. That's you exactly know? right. So I thought that was, I made a little note of that. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, well, the, the thing is, Chelsea, I mean, they, they disrespected their manager. He got no love the whole year. He's gone, sorry. And so now it looks like Lamps is the guy. Lampard, who Dennis Wise already said, well, he didn't get Darby promoted, did he? Uh, but this is this is what we do now. You know, you get the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you get some club legend. I was actually at Frank Lampard's first ever game for Chelsea. It was right when he transferred from West Ham uh, at Stamford Bridge, and it was a Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank hat trick against a hapless Casey Keller of Tottenham Hotspur, and then they put on Lamps late, and he scored. I actually have a selfie with Lamps. This is before cell phones. Nice. Yeah, and he's frowning in it. He, Joe Cole, and Mourinho. 
That picture of me and Mourinho was in 442 Magazine. I'll have you Impressive. Know. Look yeah, at yes. you. Name dropping. bragging. I Name know. dropping yourself. Braggadocious. I was uh, actually featured in Sunset Magazine one time, but that's that's a story for well, another, another podcast. Yes. And we could go tit for tat. How about Wheel of Fortune? Yeah, that was a big failure. Three bankrupts, and I'll see you later. <laughs> is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I solved a couple puzzles. I made a little bit of scratch, but ultimately the wheel is what did it, does, me. What it, does it go? Womp, womp. What is Beep. it? Uh, I think it's a BU. The bomb deflating. Basically, my uh, my dream of a trip to St. Kitts deflating. (laughs) Uh, Here's one for you, and this is uh, and Nevis. Yes, exactly. Because you got to go to both. You can't go to St. Kitts. Don't, as you would say, don't sleep on Nevis. Don't sleep on Nevis. (laughs) We'll love them at Nevis. Oh, how about that? Little Levitz. Wow. Yeah, we bought a. uh, we bought a couch from Levitt's way, way back. It was a pretty good little piece of furniture. Wow, I think we got ours from Roos Atkins. Oh, my God. You're <laughs> just killing me. Golasso Furniture-o. I mean, Supremo. <laughs> yes. Here, Tittle and Dibley. Looks like Man U is settling on a high-priced target, high-priced in quotes, tongue-in-cheek. AFC Bournemouth star David Brooks apparently is going to likely be snapped up by Manchester United, one of the Premier League's most exciting young players. Eight goals this year in 42 comps. What does it say, though, about Manchester United that this might be one of the bigger splashes, a relative unknown from Sheffield United by way of Bournemouth? Well, I mean, that's what they do. They poach young players. Um, you can think about when they had to have Chris Smalling from Fulham, and he played a long time, and Antonio Valencia. You, you, you have to poach these. T- I mean, uh, the smartest thing that Aston Villa ever did was not uh, sell uh, Jack Grealish to Tottenham last year because he helped them get promoted. It's hard when you're struggling, but a team that big like Villa could hold on. The best news for United is that they re-signed Juan Mata. I, I think he's underused. Whenever I've seen or Mata, I guess you could say. Whenever I've seen Mata play against Tottenham when he was with Chelsea, he would always score a goal. Um, but then, you know, we heard the rumors that Pogma says he wants to go back uh, to Juve. So, um, as I said, you know, these these red toppers, there's six of them. They need to sell magazine. In Italy, if you think about the Correo della Sport and all these, Il Messaggero, they have 40 pages on soccer every day, 365. Man. You have to make stuff up. Got to generate content. Fake news. Fake news, dude. It's so <laughs> fake. I'm not going there, bro. Uh, the 21-year-old will reportedly sign for roughly 50 million quid, and uh, the young man was a fan of Manchester United growing up. It's great. And uh, the team's already signed 21-year-old winger, Daniel James from Swansea earlier this month for about $15 million. So you look at Manchester United, and if you're a fan of the Reds, you don't see necessarily a lot of familiar veterans. But wow, what a great group of young players from Marcus Rashford and now adding these 21-year-olds, Daniel James and David Brooks as well. Yeah, you got Jesse Lampard there, and you got some young players. But the other thing is... Um, I was actually on a Liverpool show the other day. They were thinking, they were saying that because Manchester United is not in the Champions League, you're not going to get an established player. You just got to go young like this. So, interesting point. Looks like Liverpool has made a decision on Lone Star Marco Gruch's future. The Liverpool Echo, which maybe is uh, a paper that you know about because you're a big deal in <laughs> Liverpool, apparently. The club plans to loan out the 23-year-old again, but... Jurgen Klopp says he does have a future at Anfield. He'll be on loan to Hertha Berlin. How much can he help 
Hertha Berlin this year. Hertha. In the Bundesliga. Hertha Berlin, who plays in the Olympic Stadium, by the way. John Brooks of the United States uh, played there, and uh, another American, I can't remember now. Um, well, that, to me, the biggest news uh, out of Liverpool was the fact that um, they got, uh, Everton got Gomes, Gomes on a uh, on a permanent transfer. He was on loan. That's huge for them. He was a very good midfield player. But, uh, I mean, that, listen, Liverpool at this point, um, they're so stacked. If, if that's their biggest news right now, that's like when, you know, last year with the Warriors, it was like, oh, Jacob Evans, what's he going to do? I mean, that I mean, it's like it doesn't really matter. Same level, basically. Yeah. Mm. Well, here's one that's got a little bit more wattage for you. If I said, uh, show me the money, you would know I was talking about Harry Cuba Maguire. Gooding Jr. No, Harry Maguire. <laughs> the great movie, Harry Maguire. And it looks like Man City is going to nudge out Man United for the Leicester City center back, Harry Maguire. So it looks like it's a case of the rich getting richer. Is this going to signal the end of Vincent Company at the Etihad? Vincent Company has already gone back to uh, Brussels to Anderlecht. His, so there you go. Yeah, he's back. And then I feel bad for Leicester, but they won the league and now they're selling off parts of why they fired Claudio Ranieri. I'll never understand. Harry Maguire, I'll tell you what, when he made the World Cup team in Russia, um, I was very surprised. And then he played very, very well. He's been basically a permanent fixture with the three Lions since then. So, you know, this is what happens when you're a small club. It's too bad for the Foxes. Yes, indeed. Too bad. But at least they had the one title, which other clubs of yeah. their size could never say. Yeah, my team's never won in my whole lifetime. So. Yeah, hang in there. Hang yeah. in there. Real close to that Champions League, too. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal with Christian Eriksen and his future with Tottenham? Well, what he said was, was that uh, after nine years, maybe it's time to move on. Um, but he also said, unless nothing bigger comes along. So it's basically asking a girl to the prom and she says, you know, I really like you, but if the hot, handsome quarterback comes in, I'm going to say yes. So just wait. If he asks someone else, then I'll go with you. Yeah, that's that's a scary one, though, because that might be the hottest girl in town for you up there in Tottenham. He's, he does so much. He's absolutely irreplaceable. I mean, he's, I've said this before, more assists than anyone in the Prem since he's been there. Most goals from outside the box. A talismanic, as we like to say, uh, an irreplaceable guy. We're not going to get Eric Jumba Jumba to replace him. And a threat with both feet, which is increasingly yeah. rare at mm -hmm. this uh, at this level, as we like to say. Mm -hmm. A couple more, Rick, before we wrap it up. USA and Sweden just about ready to head to halftime. USA still up 1-0 as Megan Rapino probes down the left wing. Gonzalo Higuain, how big of a disaster was that for Chelsea to bring him in Posit him as some sort of savior and then watch him get ushered out of town weeks later. Well, it's a weird thing. I kind of liken it to 1986, the Giants picking up Dave Henderson and not putting him on the playoff Hendu. roster. That's and not then, a bad call. Thank you. It's just, I mean, he's 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 too good. Um, and I would love, love to have a guy. Can you imagine the Champions League final instead of bringing in Fernando Llorente, you can bring in a Gonzalo Higuain. Guy of that pedigree, somebody will somebody will sign him. Uh, also, I want to give a little shout out too here because I bring as I bring my syndicated show into this just about every week. But um, I'm uh, buddies with Rocco Camiso. He is the owner of the Cosmos, and unbelievably, he just bought Fiorentina. Wow! Yeah, and so we were talking about that yesterday, and he said, and this will include anyone who's with me. He said, if I ever go to the Frankie Stadium there in Firenze, Florence, which I love, 
Um, he said, don't even think about free tickets. Everything's free, and you'll sit in the director's box with him. So he's an Italian immigrant who went to Columbia, got rich, bought the Cosmos, and now he is the first ever Italian immigrant to buy a Serie A team. Congratulations to Fiorentina. You got a rich guy who's very, very ambitious, and we have a free spot in the director's box if we go to Tuscany. That's is that Florence? Is that yes. where that is? Mm -hmm. Have you been to Florence? <clears throat> yes. Remarkable place. Love it. I would go back there in a heartbeat, especially if it meant VIP treatment to watch a little football. Yes, unless it, unless we get a John Esquaga treatment. You know what that is? Jo John Esquaga, the Nugget, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that the old Golden Nugget? This or? is. <laughs> it's a story. John Esquaga's I, Nugget. This I, is ringing a bell from I like the '80s. I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but now it's too late. Too late. But I know someone who used to play tennis with John Esquaga in the '70s. And the guy would always go, when, John Esquaga would say, when are you going to work for me? I got three <laughs> casinos. When are you going to work for me? When are you going to work for me? So the guy got fired and he showed up at his office and he goes, I'm ready to work for you now. And he goes, get the F out of my office. <laughs> so Rocco Camiso, hey, it's me, Rick Tittle. Uh, prego, prego. Totally. Uh, but we flew all this way. No speak English. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, anyway, he made the offer on the air so I can hold him to it. Mark the tape. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.